ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It's been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games that we can spend our hobby time on and our hobby dollars on, and it can lead to a serious case of not knowing what to play next. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast. It's to dig into the games that my guests and I enjoy playing, to talk about big industry events, and to talk to the people who create these games. Now, today is one of those episodes that we kind of hit all three. And it is a very special episode of Cast Dice. Cue the birthday music because this is Cast Dice's fourth birthday. And in order to kick off the fourth year of Cast Dice existence, I had to bring back some special guests who were on not that long ago. However, when they were on last time, we were talking about something in the distance that has now gone live. That, of course, is a Kickstarter. But what we are kickstarting is an expansion to one of my favorite tabletop games, a game that I absolutely adore because it allows me to bring all of the fun, cool ideas that my ADD brain literally creates. It allows me to put it on the tabletop. Of course, if we're talking about the best open sandbox game in history, of course, we're talking about 7TV. And if we're bringing the team from 7TV back, of course, we're talking about Carl from Crooked Dice and his good friend, Peter from Edge Hill University. Gentlemen, welcome back to Cast Dice. Thank you. Good morning, afternoon, evening. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Can we all agree on that one? Better, isn't it? That is much better. Yes. Yeah. So so now, Cast Dice did ha uh, did occur four years ago. It was supposed to go live on Halloween, and it, in fact, due to the actual the server that I was putting everything up to, actually needing time because it was the very first episode to say yes, you are a real human being. We didn't actually go live until November first. So this will probably go live somewhere between. Halloween and November 1st, because that is the traditional, I have no idea what my actual birthday is. But gentlemen, we are here with a spooky background today, not just because it is Cast Dice's birthday and it's Halloween. We are going to talk about something that we are all three very passionate about, the launch of the 7TV Dracula Kickstarter. You guys have had an interesting collaboration for a little while. Peter, um, for those who missed the last episode or even the one before that or the one that you were on before that, can you please just sum up quickly the relationship that you have as a professor at Edge Hill with Carl and Crooked Dice? Yeah, I mean, it came out of a, a chance meeting between Carl and I at UK Games Expo in 2017. And we got talking about a number of projects that we were interested in doing. And at the same time, the university were looking to work with publishers to give students experience, um, industry experience. And I said to Carl, have you ever thought about maybe working with the university to, to make games? And Carl, bless him, said, you know, I hadn't, but let's give it a go. And that's really how it came out of it. And the university supported the idea. Carl's been very generous in the last five, five years. Um, and we've done sort of some TV pulp, some TV fantasy. 
some TV Dracula, of course, and then there's something coming out next year, which I'm not too sure if I can talk about, but it's kind of 80s related. Um, so it was really that chance meeting, and it was great. Carl, obviously you have, I mean, really leaned into this relationship with Ed Hill. I mean, you and Peter and the students that have come through, you've given these students some really practical experience in the gaming world and in the publishing world, but it's also worked out really well for you. Besides the fact that Dracula just turned 125 years old, can you talk to us a little bit about what you guys sort of pulled seven TV Dracula out of nowhere because we had talked about what was coming down the pipe and it wasn't in there. And then all of a sudden you mentioned it in a side conversation at one point and posted a picture and I almost fell out of my chair. Where did this come from? Okay. Um, uh, another partner in crime um, is, uh, is, is Andrew Brown. Um, back over COVID, we used to um, record uh, Saturday morning, seven TV. Uh, and we go on there and really just talk nonsense for for about um, 20, 20 minutes or so. But um, Andy is involved with the Stokerverse, which is um, a partnership led by Dacre Stoker, who is the great grand nephew of Bram Stoker, uh, and Dr. Chris McCauley, um, who and they have collaborated uh, to produce uh, the Stokerverse. Which uh, and what they're doing with that is celebrating the kind of the authentic Dracula. Um, Dacre's uh, is a, a huge scholar on on Bram and on on Dracula. They've got lots of notes and things from the uh, the Stoker family archives that they that they've used, and they've had a series of projects that they've been developing. A lot of which are coming out for the 125th anniversary um, this year. So uh, comics, games, uh, that kind of thing. So um, Andy approached me. Um, as as a, almost a kind of middleman because he was working with uh, with uh, with Chris and Dacre on that and said, "Would Crooked Dice be interested in doing something?" Um, and I and I very much was, you know, with all of our games. Sometimes it's 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 quite difficult to explain the Seven TV concept to people or what it is that we're you know what we're doing with the kind of the weird meta qualities that the, the game has. Mm -hmm. um, I've loved Dracula for absolutely years, and it seemed well, it's it's a it's a property that everybody knows, everybody does. And I'd like to kind of explore that a little more. But, and this was the but, and this is probably why you'd not heard about it before that. Um, I already had quite a lot in the schedule <laughs> and I didn't mm -hmm. know how to fit it in. Stokerverse were very accommodating um, about uh, about that. But I basically approached um, Peter. Weirdly, I'd, I knew that um, there was a, uh, a kind of an initiative going on at Edge Hill um, which was called Edge Hill uh, 19. Have I got that right, Peter? Forgive me if I've... Yeah, Edge Hill University 19. Yeah, it's yeah. a 19th century research group. Um, looking into 19th century uh, um, literature. Uh, so I knew there was a kind of interest there already. So I said to Peter, look, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this on my own, but is it something that Edge Hill would be interested in collaborating on on another kind of small project next year? Now, we already have one of those in the works, um, but the opportunities that this kind of presented for for Edge Hill um, just seemed, you know, really quite positive. So uh, a, a kind of a slightly at the 11th hour, we kind of, um, we, we'd see, we saw if we could try and get funding um, to, for that. And uh, luckily enough, we did. So we got a team together um, quite quickly of, uh, of a dozen or so uh, interns um, and have been working on that for, for about a year, really. I mean, we've, we kicked it off uh, October last year. 
Um, and and now here we are with the kind of always with the with the plan to launch it at Halloween this year as part of 125 years. So that's brilliant. Now, Peter, I have a lot of questions about the collaboration and the team that put this together uh, because it is a little different from your previous collaborations. But before we get into the nitty gritty, I think it's important to answer one big question. What is 7TV? Because when I've mentioned it in passing at, at passing game nights, uh, I was at a game club recently playing bolt action and somebody mentioned um, that they listened to our prior episode about 7TV and everyone else around the table went, what is 7TV? Well, I'm glad you asked. 7TV is my favorite sandbox skirmish game because it is a game that allows you to take any intellectual property, any group of characters that you happen to really like, and they might even be from different intellectual properties. You can combine them and play on the tabletop, but it's done in a really clever way, which is why it's called 7TV. You are taking these properties and you're bringing them together to play a game on the tabletop. But what you're actually doing is playing out an episode of a TV show or a movie involving characters from those properties. Carl, am I getting this right? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, you described it for it's a, it's a sandbox. So we take a lot of the, the, um, the kind of standard wargaming terms and then really just reframe them um, with kind of, with movie terminology that you'll be familiar with. So rather than having, um, you know, a hero, a champion and some troops, we've got stars, co-stars and extras. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and we try to just feed that um, shorthand, which most people are really familiar with, you know, the, the TV episode um, and, and fold that into the game. And with fantasy, we push that a little bit further into um, kind of um, literature as well. So you're playing a chapter because a lot of our, our you know, our favourite fantasy have, have, have got uh, origins there, you know, and then mm -hmm. uh, adapted from that. So, and that's a similar approach we, that we took with um, with some TV Dracula as well. Oh, that's awesome! It is a little different with Seven TV Dracula though, because Seven TV is you can pull any with each different box. You have spy fi you have apocalypse, you have pulp, you have fantasy. Each one of those boxes gives you a giant pile of character cards that you can then figure out who, who are the stars, who are your co-stars, and who are your extras, and then you can mix and match um, the profiles to make them suit the, the property you're trying to fit. If you want to have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fighting an army of zombies, you can do that. If you want to have the Ghostbusters teaming up with Batman against um, the Scooby-Doo villains, you can do that. If you want to have James Bond um, raiding Blofeld's base with um, a group of ninjas going down into a volcano to blow up Blofeld's base. You can do that too. You could even throw in Big Bird if you wanted. I mean, it is amazing what you can do with this. But that open sandbox nature, almost, it doesn't disappear. But when it's more strictly applied to a given universe, like what you've done with 7TV Dracula, that changes a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, over the last um, 12 months or so, we've been producing something called, called feature packs. And that's just traditionally a scenario pack, as, as, as you would do. But with that, we found 
70B appeals to the the gamer who likes to build their own, that likes to you know um, experience the, the, the kind of sandbox play. Um, but there's a lot of people that don't have the time to do that. Uh, we discovered mm -hmm. and, and just want to play it out of the box, and that's what the feature packs are. And this is predominantly how Sim TV Dracula started. It means that we can delve a little deeper. We can Sim TV is arguably quite broad. You know, we're looking for places where we can bolt the tone of things into. When we're doing a feature pack, that's much much easier because we can draw on. Um, uh, you know, specific material or, 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 or tropes from that. We did something called Lurkers from the Deep, um, which is very mm -hmm. much inspired by uh, cosmic horror um, and uh, kind of Lovecraftian uh, mythos. So that you know, it, it's much. It's a lot of fun to be able to play with the uh, with the with the tropes of uh, of that. Dracula's even better because all the answers are there within the pages of the novel for mm -hmm. us to mine and look and see how we can apply those to the mechanics. Um, that we've got or whether we want to adjust them slightly to to you know to reflect other parts of the uh of the novel or or, or, or themes of it which uh which is exactly what we've been able to do now this is a little different from that though because and it wasn't until i was looking at the character pictures that i realized that you aren't just basing this on the book and this is based on the book not a particular movie but this is a 7TV take on that. It's almost like a 70s remake of the original book. Am I getting that right? Hence the aesthetic. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, layers and layers of the onion here that we can beginning to unpeel. Awesome. Um, 7TV has always had a conceit that not only are you making a kind of a, te a, a, um, a TV program or movie, that but 7TV was a lost um, channel. Uh, back in the uh, back in the the day that produced its own kind of programs and things and so again with dracula we have the conceit that um our great media baron um sydney baron in fact our media mogul i think it would be a, a way to phrase that sydney baron uh, wanted to try and make a kind of an authentic dracula but sydney being the great showman that he is he, he couldn't help but maybe just fiddle a little bit around the edges um mm -hmm. with things. Uh, which just reflects our um the, the interesting challenges that we had about adapting to the form um because the the novel is an exchange of letters and it's you know there's a how mm -hmm. to turn that to something that works on the tabletop um and so that was the challenge for for us and for for, for the team of people i don't know whether you want to expand a little bit on that yeah i suppose that the really big difference between dracula and what we did with pulp and what we did with fantasy and what 7tv tends to do in, in general is we weren't working with with archetypes or um or, or kind of stereotypes in some ways one of the things about 7tv you mentioned a number of properties brad um 7tv doesn't really trade in in exact matches to properties what we tend to do is look at the underpinning sort of foundations underpinning trends in genres and distill out profiles and distill out archetypes and then players can play those kind of characters if they want to play an indiana jones story they can mm -hmm. do but they wouldn't be playing indiana jones they'd be playing a, an adventuring academic or a intrepid mm -hmm. explorer or whatever it might be this was our first real opportunity to do a direct adaptation so we weren't looking at, at trying to find a you know a vampire archetype we were can we could do dracula we could do dracula's companions we could do the sort of forces of light that are are arranged against him 
Um, so that was quite exciting, being able to sit down with the book and work diligently through and distill out the characters and their characterization uh, and their, their, their particular equipment and approaches and personalities and try and capture that very, very directly from the book where previously we were sort of dancing around a variety of archetypes and trying to amalgamate archetypes. Um, this we could do it in a much sort of purer form, if you like. And when you've put together collections of students in the past, volunteers, people who want to get experience and work with you on these projects. I know, for example, when you were talking about the pulp cereals, not a lot of college kids were familiar with the old pulp cereals to be able to, to properly collaborate on that project until they had immersed themselves in watching quite a few and, you know, doing some research and being able to do that. Um, I know that fantasy was an easier project to kick off because everyone sort of had a baseline knowledge of fantasy anyway. Now the Dracula team though, were familiar with this text, correct? Yeah. I mean, some of them had read it uh, just for fun. Um, Others actually studied it at Ed Chill as part of you know, Gothic courses or Victorian courses. Um, so they actually came to the, the project team with a fair amount of knowledge anyway. But the first thing to do, everybody went away and reread Dracula and, and made notes and, and then did some secondary reading beyond that. So did some critical reading just to get that a little bit of extra depth uh, when we're starting to think about characters um, and starting to think about events and sort of the Victorian environment we were, we were operating in. Um, but that did make it a lot easier. And it was interesting to see that this project attracted probably an equal number of creative writing students and English literature students. Um, it was really a great opportunity to bring those two groups of people together because they work differently, they think differently, um, and they approach writing differently. So it was a really good way of, of kind of building a, a kind of cohort identity across the two different degree programs. I do want to get into more of that in a sec, but one of the things that I'm asked when people have listened to this episode in the past, and I know it's something Carl gets asked all the time, which version of seven TV should I pick up? Because there are several box sets that cover several different genre types. I initially thought, and I don't know why, but in my head, I thought Dracula was a pulp expansion. Maybe the adventuring monsters. I I don't know what I was doing there. However, it is a 7TV fantasy expansion. But unlike previous feature packs that you've done, you're actually offering a particular and specific rule book as one of the options that people can get as part of the Kickstarter that directly links the Dracula's feature pack, the missions, the characters, and the special rules found within to 7TV directly. So if someone wants to pick it up, they don't need to then go and buy the additional box set. They can just get these rules, right, Carl? That's that's exactly right. Um, the, and there's honestly some very simple practical reasons that, that, for doing that. One, um, some TV fantasy is nearly out of stock. We've it, it, within within a year or, or so um, that that's run down. Um, segwaying slightly here, the world is a very different place than we printed it uh, last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, worldwide costs have risen considerably uh, on, mm-hmm. on, all of, on all of these things. Um, so um, separately, we can kind of talk about that, but we're going to have a slight change of how we um, how 
how people can interact with uh, uh, kind of 7TB uh, in the future. And quite simply, we're probably going to roll back to a core rule book when we start to do to do other things. So um, I'll, I'll come again and, and waffle on about that. Um, but uh, we wanted with this, we realised that Dracula um, is has got a huge interest, which goes beyond kind of uh, wargaming. So it was, uh, as you said, it was, it was an opportunity really to try and bring people who may not have an interest in in that into the game as well so it can be played standalone uh, we initially hoped that we might be able to put a little booklet inside our inside our in our inside our feature pack but the development team did such a great job with the content that they created that we've absolutely packed it out and there wasn't room to get, mm -hmm. to get that in as well so just because of the very nature of dracula and the you know the the regard that the novels held in it seemed quite nice actually to do a print publication that just combined the rules into into a, into a little hardback so um and that just solved a couple of problems in that we wouldn't have to kind of reprint the box set um and also it's a much kind of more attractive price point than having to spend kind of 60 quid on 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 a box quite honestly in there you can dip yeah. one in the, the book for a, um a little a little cheaper uh, and if you've already got some tv fantasy you don't need to get anything else. You can uh, you can just play. So we've, as ever, with all of the campaigns, we try to structure, try to make it as fair and balanced and as flexible for for the, every set of interest and, and budget. Really, I always say, you know, I'm a gamer too. I I, I want things to be priced fairly so that I'm mm -hmm. uh, we're not fleecing people when we're when we're doing new projects. That's not what it's about at all. No, so. exactly. And I do love, and I, I know that you've mentioned it before. It is in a VHS case, but it, it's wonderful to have on the shelf. I have several on my shelf now, and it takes me back to my childhood. And now I get one for Dracula. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about how this works. Dracula, as you said, is a series of letters if you read the book. And I've read the book many times. And I often forget that. And so when you go to read it the first time, it, it, I actually find it somewhat jarring to go, oh, yeah, this is how this story is formatted. How did you guys find as a team going from that format to something that could be played as a tabletop skirmish slash war game? We, I think we began as we always do when we're working on these projects. We look at uh, sort of the characters, first of all, most or the character types. So the first job was to start to think about how we represented those characters on profile profile cards. So that's a fairly easy job in, in some ways. It's a job that, that we're familiar with. A little bit more difficult was deciding on what would make the key skirmishes. We knew we wanted five. That's usually a fairly common number in, in the feature packs we do. Um, and then we thought, okay, so let's think about the five events in the novel that pack in the most excitement. The, the thing I think we forget about Dracula, because we were probably more familiar with it with all the, the movies and, and other adaptations we've had, is it's quite a static novel. It's a kind of drawing room horror where people sit around and talk or they write to one another and re they report talking to one another. So we thought, okay, let's, let's try and find the most exciting moments. So some of those were, were quite obvious. So the, the arrival of the Demeter at, at Whitby was quite exciting. Um, the, the kind of staking of, of Lucy, uh, the, the, the climax outside Castle Dracula, uh, where Dracula is finally put down. Um, and then we thought, okay, so 
what other things can we do? Well, Carfax is quite a good one. We could work on, on the kind of scouring of Carfax. And that gave us four. And then we started going, oh, uh, we've got four. Now what do we do? Um, and we thought, okay, so there's a story, there's a nicer mission in the novel, which is where Jonathan escapes from Castle Dracula. And then many, many pages later, Mina finds out that he's actually in hospital or he's, he's, he's recovering from his experiences. So we thought, wouldn't it be fun to do um, a, a kind of Jonathan escape um, into, uh, uh, into a pursuit by Dracula's forces? Um, and Dracula's just trying to keep him, capture him and bring him back um, or kill him, you know. Um, so we decided that an escape through a Transylvanian village where Jonathan gets helped by by Transylvanian villagers to escape as he's pursued by sort of these monstrous uh, agents of Dracula. And that's what we did. So we, we thought, okay, we can we can structure that into a five sort of episode TV series uh, or notional TV series. Uh, and there's a big fight in, in each episode. And once we had that pinned down, it was then a case of going back and saying, okay, what what might would be have looked at, at the t like at the time that was that was fairly straightforward. We went and had a look at historical photographs. Um, then how might Dracula's castle be configured, for example, to to produce a really good skirmish table? Um, what might a Transylvanian village have looked like? So we began to build up um, from characters through events to locations and settings. And then after we'd done that, all the fine tuning work began with the artifact decks and the the epistolary deck and things like that. It was important yeah. that we sorry, Brad. Uh, it was important for us that we try to be authentic to to the novel and follow the kind of narrative thread, but there were still gaps in there that we kind of needed to, uh, needed to plug. Um, that so we when we came to writing some of the episodes as well, the kind of the the downtime between each one, which is if you're familiar with the things, a kind of level of victory outcomes that, that we get in there that draws quite heavily on the kind of the missing sections of the novel as well um to kind of reflect the victory points and the rewards that you might get into into the kind of the next story as well so i i've this is my kind of favorite bit the adaptation part of it because it's a it's it's an investigation phase as i say it's all there on the page for you it said how can mm -hmm. we draw that out and where's where were the best hooks and mechanics to be able to hang some of this uh, stuff on and the, the team did a great job on that and then we had a lot of time kind of developing that into the into the scenarios as well now, one of my favorite parts of 7TV is the countdown deck. The way that basically works is you have the first act, the second act, and the third act. And as, as you go through, you can you don't have a set number of turns in the game. Players, every time it's their turn, they flip a card, and what's on that card happens. However, if players want to burn out the deck faster, if they're winning and they're afraid their opponent's going to catch up on victory points, they can start double flipping cards and burn out the deck and speed up the game. But in doing so, both players gain extra uh, plot points, the resource that you need to fuel your characters. So I know that in some of the more recent feature packs, you guys have spent a lot of time really digging into that countdown deck so that you know, you know I guess, so what's happening on the table is representative of the feature pack that's being played, if that makes sense. So in this case, I know you guys spent a lot of time working on the Dracula deck because it not only suits Dracula, but it also suits daytime, nighttime. Am I getting this right? 
Yeah, again, it's, we're looking wherever we can, whatever, whether it's a feature pack and particularly with director, where can we take the themes uh, of, of the, you know, the property or the ideas that we're dealing with and work that into, into the mechanics? Some TV is quite good. It's quite like Lego. You can assemble it and disassemble it and use parts that, that you, um, um, and, and mechanics that you want to help kind of drive or, or theme the action. Um, so one of the obvious places was, well, where can we do that with the countdown deck? And quite early on, um, I think kind of um, that Peter had the idea of, of, of the, the diurnal deck. Am I alone in thinking that the investigators and the, our heroes really do a terrible job of hunting vampires because they only tend to do it at night? Yeah, it's they're, they're, they're a bunch of really intelligent people who, who behave in quite a stupid way. Really, <laughs> you're not going to hunt a vampire. So, with with the countdown deck, we really wanted to capture the the, the kind of action that goes on at, at night in, in in quite a distinct way. So, as Carl was saying, we we came up with the idea of the diurnal deck, which was splitting the countdown deck into four. So we have dawn, day, dusk, and night cards, and then each sort of skirmish sheet scenario has a different composition of, of those cards. So you might have more day cards, for example, in one scenario, and more night cards in another. And the day, the night, dusk and dawn cards, they provide advantages to the different casts, the different uh, sides of the game. So the night cards obviously favor the vampires, day cards favor the heroes, and then dawn lead a little bit more to the heroes and dusk a little bit more to the vampires in terms of their frequency of, of kind of effects so we put that together and we play tested that a number of times and it seems to to work quite well and then we had to think about okay we've done that now how do we balance it to help the heroes at night and how mm -hmm. do we balance it to help the vampires during the day so there's quite a lot of tweaking and and those lego bits that that um that carl was talking about we actually have to you know take apart sometimes and put back together in different configurations and see how they work um, I think we've got it. I think we've got it right. It feels like we've got it right. Playtesting seems to suggest we're getting it right, which is nice. Yeah. Another key component of the game that people love, e of course, each box has its own name, so it's kind of hard what to refer to it as. So I'll go with sp uh, the SpyFi version, which is the original one, which is the gadgets, the gadget deck, um, where you can add certain cards to some of your characters, um, particularly the stars and co-stars that will allow them to have a special ability for maybe one turn, um, like a jetpack or a freeze ray, or um, I'm just thinking of some of the SpyFi ones. Now, as we get into the fantasy box, uh, those turn into artifacts that you know people can, you know, magic swords, this sort of thing. How does that play out with Dracula, particularly since you have two really distinct sets of characters um, you, you know, you're not going to have a freeze ray on Dracula, but what might work for the heroes won't work for the villains. Was that a consideration and a struggle as well? It was one of the ways we tried to balance the effects of the diurnal deck. So this time we thought about splitting the, the artifact cards into a heroic deck and a villainous deck. Um, so Again, this probably explains why the, the the box set is so absolutely stuffed full of, of things. We go, oh, let's let's make more, you know. Um, so the the heroes they have very very you know traditional um, uh, kind of uh, equipment really. So they have a crucifix, they have garlic, they have hammers and stakes, holy water, um, and then they they have things like lockpicks and mirrors, a, a missile. Um, 
a paprika handle, I think we might have taken out and used for a, a, an equipment <laughs> card. Um, restorative brandy, of course, is always important. Um, mm -hmm. from that. Then the villains actually are a bit more difficult to do because the, the, the villainous weapons, you know, you think about the vampires, their bodies really are their are their weapons. Mm -hmm. So we thought, okay, how can we how can we manage this? So we thought about things like the, the box of earth and the effects that might have, the blue flame that's outside Castle Dracula, um, the chance victim. Um, you know, that, that enables them to remove status as some poor souls wandering past and just gets vampirized in the course of the game. Um, and then we had things like Cloak of Shadows and Cursed Brooches and uh, Laudanum um, and Monstrous Doubles and things like that. So we tried to draw a little bit more broadly from the Gothic tradition um, for some of those and feed that in. Again, re hopefully retaining the spirit of the novel uh, where we couldn't follow it exactly. Um, but really to try and capture the gothic sensibility, but also the kind of bleakness of it um, and some of Dracula's history as well that's implied in the novel. Now, one of the things I've noticed that um, will appear as part of the Kickstarter is the list of, I think it's it's a cast guide, and it's basically a list of the miniatures that you'll need to play out each scenario which is a really nice touch. And it means that for some of us who are may have a backlog of miniatures in the case behind us, it might mean that we, we already know when we back the Kickstarter, these are the things that you'll need to play some of these missions and go, oh, cool, I already have that. I may not need to get that. Or in my case, I'll go, I'm going to get all of these. And then, oh, I need to get these bats and I need to get this and I need to get these wolves and I need to, and I need to, but it gives me something to paint in the meantime before this arrives. Yes, we've always tried to do this. We've always, even though we have a, a about 1300 miniatures in, in the range, you know, 7TV is miniatures agnostic, and we've always done that. Now, there'll be a load of miniatures that we've produced uh, for this 30 or so. Um, but there's probably, there's a limit really within the time and the schedule and the budget that we've got to be able to do all of them. Uh, and as you say, a lot of people will have probably generic villagers that they might be able to use uh, with flaming torches and pitchforks, I would imagine, um, in, in their collection. So we always try to give that that kind of uh, what we call our kind of our casting call list. So you could do exactly as you described, you know, you can plan ahead who doesn't have about 30 projects on the go at any one time. So <laughs> it, it helps people plan ahead uh, a, a little. Uh, so Peter and I may have been talking about what other projects we're painting before you came on, Carl, and the list is daunting. <laughs> How's that mountain that. of uh, lead, Pete? <sighs> it, it's growing, Brad, to be honest. Um, and it's supported by a mountain of plastic and the foothills as well. <laughs> <laughs> Smog's horde of, of bits. Let's Let's actually get to the Kickstarter then. This is really cool in that, I mean, often with Kickstarters you get you can back the game and then you can get this expansion or this expansion or, you know, get something, go all in blah. And then there'll be stretch goals depending on how far it goes. What I really like about the way this Kickstarter is laid out is you have so many different buy-in options depending on where you are. I mean, how many times have I backed something for Kickstarter and gone, you know, I really don't need these extra bits. Um, however, you have offered a really tailored view. So I know I don't normally do this when we talk about Kickstarters on this show, but I think it's important to go through a couple of the options so people know just what they can get. The first option is just the digital rules. 
and the pack. Can you talk about the digital option? Yes. Um, so that will simply be a, uh, a, PDF, a PDF of the core rules. So that, that mm -hmm. yellow, yellow book uh, and all of the content that's in the feature pack. So the episode guide, uh, all of the accessory cards um, the, the, that you would need, that will all be it will be bundled there. So um, if you're on a budget or you just you just do everything off a tablet, as a lot of people do these days, then buy in there. Um, that's 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 right. quite an easy, simple one. But what if you just want the miniatures because they look amazing? You are also doing the miniature only pledge, which gets you the eight core sculpts. You get the Lucy, Dracula. Harker, Van Helsing, you get Mina, you get Dr. Stewart, you get Hollywood, oh, sorry, Homewood, sorry, and Quincy. I was thinking of Quincy when I said Hollywood, sorry. Yeah, they're, um, they're our core characters. Um, so it just seems quite obvious to, code there, to to bundle those in. Some of the other ones that we're doing are, are troop packs or as uh, as Stokes says, the, the Mina things in there of some of the the, the beasts that Dracula uh, has um, has control over, which people might already have in their collection. So we've just tried mm -hmm. to say, look, if you would just like these kind of fantastic classic characters, then then you can you can grab that as well. And as the pledges build, you know, you can add those, add these, um, add these in. Speaking of which, let's talk about the feature pledge. And now this is for people like me who have Seven TV and who just want the game, who want to play this feature pack. Um, you get the feature pack in the retro case. Um, you get the campaign rules, the 80 page episode guide, 65 new accessory cards, 36 profile cards. Plus you can get all the stretch goals and plus new tokens that are fresh for this game. It's really cool. I guess the difference in this campaign that we maybe haven't done in some of the other ones is that we're adding extra rules content. As I said, the, the, the development team did such a great job that we had a huge body of material um, probably more more than we needed. So um, what we're going to offer in this is um, the all the rules stretch goals that we, people are seeing in the image um, at the moment. For example, uh, more artifact cards, more um, uh, diurnal deck cards, and more um, epistolary um, cards will be unlocked as we go along. So that will just provide people more flavor, more content, more things to be able to to play with as they. Um, as they want um, and we'll be upgrading a few little things like Dracula um, Dracula is a we debated actually about whether creating almost a new tier a legend because he's got kind of so much going on that he can do as a as a profile um, but actually the easiest way to do that is that one of the early stretch goals will be upgrading Dracula's car to an A6 postcard size <laughs> as, as a kind of a jump on because he's got a lot going on at the back we've tempered some of that mechanically with what he can do in certain yeah. kind of phases of the day um so there's there's not too much on there but yeah he's he, he's quite rightly a terror on the tabletop so you're saying i may not need my glasses to read all the text on that little card <laughs> yes there okay. is that. Yeah. brilliant brilliant now there's of course if you want to go big there is the director's pledge again this is if you have seven tv fantasy but you want to add the miniatures. It's basically what we had before with the miniature pack. Then there's the producer's pack, which gives you the core rules. If you don't already have those, gives you the feature pack, gives you all the stretch goals, gives you all the, the eight sculpts that we talked about before. Again, just going slightly up. And then there's the all-in pledge, which is all the bits and pieces, plus all the miniatures and stretch goals the wolf pack, the tribesmen, the rat swarms, the great dog, 
the asylum inmates, Renfield, uh, Vampire Brides, the Coachman, the Manate Cultists, which I'll admit I don't remember from the book. We have the Borgo past Mina. So a lot going on there. You yes. guys always get through a ton of your stretch goals because when you put out a Kickstarter, you don't put it up with the ridiculous ceiling. You, and we've talked about this before on the show, um, as a small miniature game producer, you just use this to fund to get things going because you don't have big game company money to launch these projects. This just gives you that. And then with that, as you go through, additional funds allow you to open different stretch goals, almost like Kickstarter was designed for. I, you know, I, I genuinely think that that's the model. You know, it, it's it's there to raise capital, to be able to um, to to bring a project to life maybe a little bit quicker than we would traditionally uh, do it. So we try to have mm -hmm. everything ready for production before it goes in. And that's what it's, that's the most expensive part of the project. So that's what, um, that's what we're hoping backers will help us, help us to achieve really. So as ever, I never know how well these things are going to go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you plan out the stretch goes with it, with, with a little finger in the, in the air thing. Okay, well, let's, let's see how we go. There's a couple of other things that we haven't got. Um, you put the stretch goal summary there, which is uh, just showing everything, you know, um, I don't want to be too bold to say that we might get, get to that, but we've got a couple of other things in our back pocket as well, um, just in case. We know that Dracula is obviously um, has got a much wider appeal than maybe some of our, our other kind of outings that we that we've done. So um, Stokeverse have got a whole new audience of people that they might be bringing uh, to mm -hmm. it as well. So we'll see, we'll see how we go. Um, but we've tried to theme everything around what's in the novel, and then maybe some little extra bits and pieces that we might put as exclusives into the core rule book um another scenario which is based on other uh, notes from uh, from bram's work as well there's a there's a very um interesting um notes where directors almost uh, poses more of a kind of a moriarty style figure as a as a, as a cult leader um and beneath castle dracula there are these kind of devolved um man-ape cultists that are, that are worshipping things. The recent Stokeverse uh, comic, which I believe is called Dracula of the... Is it Dracula of the Return? Or it possibly might be in something called The, the White Worm. Uh, deals, deals with that. That's that's crazy that you're able to expand out uh, into the Dracula-verse like that it, and you know go into uh, the stretch goals as well. I always love that when you, when you get the little twinkle in your eye, Carl, and say... Yeah, we might have a little something up there if you know we get past these points. Uh, I do love that you you set a set of serious uh, stretch goals, realistic, but you also have a little pie in the sky up your sleeve in case you need to, um, which is always nice to see. Yeah, just in case you don't really, really don't. As I say, I really don't know how things will go, so you try to set them as kind of realistic little milestones and and hope that 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 works. Now, Peter, this is not your first rodeo with Carl. Uh, you've been down the old Kickstarter highway once or twice, and the Kickstarter, as this goes to air, has just launched. Ladies and gentlemen, if you go to Kickstarter right now, Dracula 7, or sorry, 7TV Dracula is there. Peter, is it is it get any easier as you go through? <laughs> um, no. Um, I mean, <laughs> 
it gets to be it gets to be a different kind of fun each time. I mean, when when we started out with Pulp, um, Carl was working really uh, on Seven TV Apocalypse, so we were we were kind of working in parallel. Um, so we were really uh, the team were making it up as as we went along, and and we were enormously proud of Pulp, um, and it, it's still probably my favourite. I think we got a little bit more ambitious with with fantasy and COVID helped in a bizarre way because we could all meet right the way through the summers um so we got a lot more development time which was great dracula we were working alongside with another project we were doing so we we're doing two simultaneously and that was uh that was a challenge and, and fun in all kinds of ways but i think the dracula one is is especially uh, dear to my heart because I, I mean i don't think i've ever thought when i was you know working at edge hill or, or young kind of academic or anything, I'd actually get the chance to adapt Dracula. You know, this monolithic kind of work of, of English literature, Gothic literature, and then to, to join the ranks of all the people who have tried to adapt it and bring it to the screen or write sequels or graphic novels or stage plays. That was just an enormous privilege, really. So the, the chance to do that was was phenomenal. Um, and I'm really I'm really pleased with, with what we've achieved. And the, the team worked really hard. They were really creative, um, and it wouldn't be fair not to mention Dr. Maddie Potter, who was our technical and, and sort of literary advisor. She's a, a she's a stoker and a Gothic scholar, who joined us uh, as really a, as a technical advisor, and then became such an integral part of the team. Um, it was it's been it's been brilliant to work with her as well. So it has been a labour of love, um, and it's been a real joy. I think that's probably the way I can say it, a real joy to to actually go from the novel and try and meet all those challenges of turning it into a tabletop game and then look back on it and go, actually, we've done quite well with it. You know, we've we've been really, really kind of specific about what we've tried to do. We've achieved that. We've done things like the diurnal deck and the epistolary deck. And take, taking, as you were saying earlier, Brad, you know, taking a novel in an epistolary form and turning it into a tabletop war game, it's a bit of a stretch. Mm -hmm. um, but, but we were pretty flexible with it. So, um yeah, I'm really excited to see how far the Kickstarter goes. Really excited. Well, when this goes to air, I will have already backed it. So I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, but speaking of things that I will also be buying from Crooked Dice uh, in the next, by the time this goes to air, Carl, you're a bad man. You're a very bad man because in the last 12 hours, I've watched eight episodes of Scooby-Doo. I don't know why. I have no idea why. Although the this character pack of uh, what uh, spooky spooks. spooks they're called, uh, yes, yes, yeah, spooks. Um, yeah, yes, not, not a, sure uh, why I was watching Scooby Doo at all, but yeah, hmm. completely unrelated. I would imagine. No, I've been, uh, I've been trying to do some ghosts for our paranormal kind of exterminator range lit yes. for literally years, and for a couple of reasons, um, they've stalled and not quite got off the ground, but. Um, the amazing Andrew May um, sculpted these, and there's another little pack of uh, of, of not as uh, what well, they're called ghosts. We weren't particularly innovative with the naming of those ones, um, right. which is a huge kind of sheet ghost and a headless Tudor as well. He did those earlier in the year for me in kind of preparation of the of the spooky season. So um, I'm I'm delighted to be able to get these out, and uh, they seem to be very very popular at the moment, which is uh, which is what I hoped. Well, gentlemen. I'm sorry to say, I think our time is up. I love talking to you guys. You'll have to come back soon. 
Seven TV Dracula is now up on Kickstarter. It will conclude in November. It is a short Kickstarter. So get in there early, boys and girls. Check it out. But you are hoping to have this out and in people's hands by next March. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, that's fulfillment. When when we're normally pretty good on that. I think there's only COVID that slightly upset the car in the, the kind of 12 that we've run so far. Um, but yeah, that's that's the aim. So um, people will be able to start playing, as I said, planning ahead if they want to with the, with some of the information we're giving out. People do love to ask. Yeah, it's a Kickstarter. Kickstarters never work. You never get things on time. Uh, I get it. I've been that guy as well. However, I've backed several of Carl's Kickstarters in the past and I have always been not only pleasantly surprised, but very happy with A, the quality of what arrives, because you're never quite sure. But more to the point, B, it's always on time, on target. And if it's at all late, it's by a couple of days. And that's down to Australia Post, not anything else. So um, I will be backing this, if anyone's wondering, and I cannot wait to get it in my grubby paws. So gentlemen as always i love your work i hope to see you again soon and seven tv dracula is 80s aside the most exciting thing that i that you guys could be putting out for me and i cannot wait to get it in my paws thank you very much again for all of your hard work um it is clearly a labor of love having spoken with you off air and then speaking with you today i mean both of you clearly put a lot of hard work into this as did your team and um, my hat's off to you, and I wish you the greatest success. Thank you very much. Well, friends, uh, thank you for listening to Cast Ice today. Uh, as I said, or I may not have said, I have not been recording Cast Ice for almost five weeks. Um, it has been term four, and it has been a brutal one because we've been preparing for reports and all of this after all of Melbourne's significant lockdowns for years. So... Um, I recorded a lot of content knowing that I would be very busy uh, with my various roles at my school this term. And this is actually the first new content that I will be putting out in quite a while. However, we will go back to some of the previous recorded episodes in the next two weeks. Um, just to burn out the episodes that I've already recorded, they are fantastic ones. I, I actually really... I'm looking forward to putting those ones out. But then Cast Eyes will return with new content in October. And I'm looking forward to bringing you some of the requests that you've been sending in the last couple of weeks. And for everyone who's been uh, watching these videos on YouTube or listening to the audio version of the podcast uh, and sending the wonderful messages to the page, thank you so much. It is really appreciated. And thank you very much for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, when we are playing the games that you know and love, I hope that your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But more than that, we at Cast Dice hope that you are having fun. Stay safe out there, guys. Good night.